Hey everyone, welcome to We Have Permission, a podcast designed to awaken and empower the ordinary person towards one extraordinary mission. Today, we're going to be talking to Charlie Welke. Charlie's just months away from moving his wife and his four kids to a new part of the country where they know no one during this turbulent time in our country, all to plant a church. This might sound too extreme to relate to, but in the kingdom of God, we are all in our own right living our own version of obedience. And so I thought if this podcast is committed to helping the ordinary person find their extraordinary mission, then we should listen to what Charlie's lessons are and what he's learned through this process. My challenge for you is to not just pay attention to his story, but pay attention to your story as he talks about this process. There's some real nuggets in here to give you permission to live your best life. Your permission starts now. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Thank you, Pete. It's good to be here. Yeah, so excited to have you. Um, it's fun to get in touch with you and where you're at with your story. We have been connected at the hip in a lot of ways for the last, I don't know, five, ten years, I feel mm-hmm. like. I've, I've known you back when you were a student at Illinois Wesleyan, mm-hmm. and you have taken a, an incredibly similar journey of me of being in campus ministry and now in church ministry. And So you've been on a unique journey, and I want to just kind of capture that journey, and maybe we have some application for us here at the end, but... Give me a backdrop of who you, you know, what, what is your background of ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was um, dabbling in campus ministry even as a college student. That's where we first crossed paths. And uh, a friend who was leading a campus ministry had uh, kind of passed on that ministry leadership role to me. And, uh, and that was really my first taste. And I was doing that alongside of some camp ministries and things in the summer and yeah. kind of your typical counselor type stuff. And um, just started to really get an itch and a feel that vocational ministry, occupational ministry was an actual option. Yeah, <laughs> right. Not only be a, a viable career, but it may also be the thing that God has wired me to do. And so yeah. in college, I was taking a pretty um, dramatic shift from pursuing medicine and trying to be a doctor to then uh, going into vocational ministry. Wow. So uh, coming out of college, I started working as a youth pastor at a church in town part time. I was also working at a hotel in town, pulling around on the other time. That's when I had met Leslie, my who became my wife. But at the time, I was trying to work at the hotel to buy the engagement ring to propose to her. So, um, so we from the very beginning of our marriage, we're kind of doing ministry alongside yeah. each other, youth ministry for a couple of years, and then at the church I was at, I had the opportunity to move back into college ministry, which yep. was yep. really life giving for the two of us. We did that until having our second daughter. And uh, the church kind of redirected us and said, we'd like to take more of a young adult approach. And so I feel like almost some of the, the young people that I've been working with, they would refer to me as like Pastor Feeney, because like Boy Meets World, I would just keep <laughs> moving along with them through the different phases, you know, high school, right. college, to young adults, and, uh, and did that for a couple of years before becoming a campus pastor of uh, a satellite campus of that church. And now I'm doing the interim that you left yep. in uh, First yep. Christian Church in Clinton. So getting to be the interim lead minister and doing some of the youth ministry down there. So that's about 12 years, 12, 14 years of ministry experiences that have all kind of led us up to this point today where we are six to nine months away from relocating to the Northeast, to Fairfield County in Connecticut with hopes and dreams of planting a church. Dang, that's a big deal. That's a big transition. 
what what was the what was the process like for you and Leslie to come to that conclusion? Like, was was your did you immediately think out east and this is what we're going to do, or was there was there? I'm assuming there was more of a process to thought on that. Yeah, well, there's this permission podcast that's been really helpful <laughs> along the way. No, as uh, honestly, the conversations that we've had over the years and and really following along some of the resources here. Um, there definitely was a process to the decision-making process. And I think most discernment processes, not necessarily decision, but discernment, yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. trying to get a feel for God, what are you speaking to us in this season? And God, where is it that you're leading us? And honestly, when we first found out we weren't going to be at the church that we've been at for 12 years, and we started to think about what was going to be next, I would say we, we primarily experienced like a vision block. Like mm. We just didn't, we didn't see we didn't see where this was heading. We didn't see where God was in. And, and it was one of those seasons, too, where we weren't hearing really clearly. We were encouraged by a lot of people, and there were a lot of voices. And I think internally we felt the deep encouragement, too, that something would come. Yeah. But we didn't know what it was going to be or where it was going to be. And so we kind of just at that moment did a little exercise, Leslie and I, together where I just kind of wrote out, like, what are the 10 things that I think would be most valuable mm. or most important in a church mm-hmm. and a community? And, uh, that had to be helpful. Like, that, was, that had to be yeah. a good, a good, healthy process. Even if you don't implement all those 10, right. it's a good thing to think through. So Yeah, we started to think about that from a church standpoint. And then Leslie actually did a separate list of 10 that were just community things. Hmm. So we started to get the feeling that we probably weren't going to be staying in central Illinois much longer. Yeah. But... Before we had any vision, we thought, well, let's maybe set some guardrails or some parameters and see, you know, these are kind of the 10 most important things we're looking for in a church. And these are the 10 most important things we're looking for in a community. And hopefully somewhere down the road, God will show us where that church or where that community are. Yeah. Which is why our process primarily started with looking at established churches. We were trying to kind of measure against these 10 things you know, both from a church standpoint and a community standpoint. And, uh, and that's kind of what led us into, you know, multiple interviews and the process there. And that's kind of how the beginning of 2020 unfolded for us a couple of months of really working through those lists and working yeah. through those, those interviews. Now you didn't land on finding an established church. It's more of a church plant, correct? Correct. Yeah. So what was it out of your list of 10 that you were having a hard time finding with that mm. that outlet of established church that yeah. made you go to this other direction? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, both, both of our lists were prioritized numbers one through 10. Okay. So we were kind of rating against each one too, you know, to say on a scale of one to 10, how likely is it oh, that right. this place will be good and yeah. then you know, it's kind of multiplied against the priority that we had set for it. And so, I mean, you got to get to that point where you're like, can we really settle for anything less than a seven on our top three? Yeah. You right, know, or can right. we settle for less than this on the top five or, you know, some things maybe were really strong on the bottom half, but maybe a little bit weaker at the top. And so you start to just feel like there's not, again, a vision block. There's not a clear, this is the way, walk in it. You yeah, know, there's right. no... There's no burning bush outside our building. You know, there's no epiphanies in the sky or those, you know, I didn't get swallowed up by a whale and spit out on the shore and yeah, said, go right, here and do right. this. But we did a, we did put out the option early on that we would pray through planting a church, that we would pray through beginning, you know, looking for a church or looking to start a church. Right. And it was kind of in like the third or fourth slot the whole time. 
you know, we were looking at all these other things first. Right. And planting a church was kind of out there maybe sure. someday. Sure. And as the months progressed, it just kind of moved up slot by slot, piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the point really where we went into the shelter in place because of the pandemic, you know, almost frozen and unsure if we were supposed to plant a church or if we were supposed to continue to wait and look for an established church to join. So so what was it? Did, did you feel like it was... And it probably all blurs together, but was it was it more pre-COVID that you still started developing this push or pull towards a church plant? Mm. Or do you feel like it was the shelter in place that helped make that decision for you? Mm. Yeah, I think there were some... I mean, now that we're in motion and moving, you know, to, to start a church we see you know all the things behind us the thread that was kind of being pulled through the yeah, whole time i mean sure. all the way to the point where like i became a christian in a church plant in eighth grade Interesting. you know so um I, I think things like that i always thought after i retired that i would pair up with some young gun church planter and move into a city yeah, and we yeah. would start a church yeah. i'd be the old guy that doesn't have to pay on staff yeah and so you start thinking like, oh, I just always assumed my story would be bookended by church planting. Yeah. Over the years, multiple friends that I've had have planted churches. When I think about even my immediate friend group, most of my closest friends are business owners or they started their own yeah. companies. And, um, and so I start to see those things start to emerge. I think for Leslie and I, there was... Um, you know, the, the realization that we were going to be moving and joining a new community and joining a new church it felt like a lot of change in either either direction. And yeah. whether we joined something established in a different community or whether we started something, both of them held a lot of unknowns. And so we did go into the shelter in place kind of feeling like church planting isn't as crazy as people make it sound. Like it's it's difficult and it's challenging, but it's, you know, uh, it's a work of God. <laughs> if, right. if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because people who are called to it are faithful to the call. Right. And we started to ask the question, not, um, are we the right types of people to plant a church, but God, is this what you're calling us to? And mm-hmm. in the midst of those conversations, we just felt our hearts start to soften and our, um, you know, I think our minds started racing and, and all of a sudden there was a blurry vision. You know, like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't clear, but it, we started to <laughs> started see. Coming. Yeah. And as that started to come into, into clarity, we, we really realized like finding an established church or finding an existing community is a lot like finding a spouse, which can be hmm. very stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, and going through interviews and all of these things can feel a lot like For dating. Sure. And, you know, are we being completely transparent on who we are? And are you being completely transparent mm-hmm. on who you are? And are we ready to get down on a knee and propose? And what does it look like? And, all of that stress and all of that unknown, um, we started to settle alongside of planting a church really started to feel like having another kid. And Leslie and I, have, in the last couple of years, you know, we've had four kids. Yeah. And we felt like we were done you know, birthing children. But then we started to hear it from God, like, maybe there's another thing I want you to birth. Wow. And it's this church. Wow. And that really changed the conversation for the two of us in the midst of that quarantine time where we were together every day with our kids and yeah. and really looking around and going, I think it's time for us to have a new family member. Wow. I think That's our good. kids are going to have a fifth sibling. I love and that. we're going to raise a church alongside of our family. I mean, it, it is an organism. 
not an organization, right? right. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't have to be the one to tell you this. You know this, but it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Planting a church, uh, among many other things, one of the most difficult things is fundraising. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's, that's probably the give and take when you're looking for, I'm guessing you've gone, I know you've mm-hmm. probably processed all of this, but I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching two or three people right now that are looking for churches and they just don't have the, um, I don't want to say, I guess they just don't have the willingness mm-hmm. to start a church because they they need more of that financial stability. Mm-hmm. And that that's a hard thing to step out on. And I know that's hard for you. And mm-hmm. um, maybe we'll even let people know, hey, Charlie Welke, look him up, support the guy. He needs yeah. he needs some funding, I'm sure. I don't know his situation totally. But, yeah. but, but usually the compromise is, is that we end up, adopting something that's already established where you're talking about birthing Mm -hmm. and when you birth something you get to create and you get to develop and and you get to to put the values in your kids as opposed Mm -hmm. to different than if you 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 brought some kid in off the street um so yeah i really like that i like that analogy yeah well and and i think we realized too in in going into some of the interviews and conversations we were having there was that that security you know a kind of a net underneath you but there was also a ceiling above you. And what I was finding in these interviews was like, I was going to these you know, churches with these visions or dreams or desires of multiplication and growth and you know, kind of kingdom movement type things that would have butt up against the ceiling pretty quickly. Yeah. And so you exchange, you know, the, the safety of a, of a net beneath you or a foundation beneath you, the finances beneath you. And the compromise is that there's a ceiling above you. Hmm. Now you have to fit in whatever right. this church or this board or these elders and right. and and all of them great mission and vision and values yep. and all of them great godly people. But even in the interviews, I could feel myself kind of butting up against that ceiling. I can see that. And so the question kind of came back of like, well, if we feel like God has a, a new horizon for us or a new capacity or something that he wants to grow us into, then I think we're going to have to take that step without the net or without the foundation that we're used to having. Yep. And we're going to have to see where the next steps lead. Big step of faith there. And and it was a huge you know personal growth step too. And that's where I think too, like some of the things we were looking at felt manageable or felt doable. You know, it was like mm-hmm. when you're interviewing for something and you feel like a quality candidate for it, you're you're more so proving that you're already competent to do that. Right. Church planting felt like something that was going to require us to grow a lot. Mm-hmm. And that was where we were like, God, are you calling us into a place where we know we can already do the job day one? Right. Or are you calling us into a place where we're going to have to grow from day one in order to do the job? And that's why I think we started again to feel like, man, that, that pull toward church planting or that blurry vision starts to get a little bit clearer because I know that God wants us in a place where we're dependent on him and growing and who knows what the capacity will be. Right. Now. Well, thanks for listening to that. Cause that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. And I think that God is no question going to bless that obedience. And so Reviewing for us now, you said you made a list of 10. Mm-hmm. You decided, you and Leslie together decided, let's birth something, not, mm-hmm. not join something, but let's birth something. Mm-hmm. COVID hits, and now we, we quite frankly are in a very different world mm-hmm. than we were yeah. six months ago. Yeah. 
has this different world created new I, 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 yeah new questions mm-hmm. for you to be thinking through mm-hmm. uh, what what what's going on in your brain now as you're preparing yeah. for um, for this new season yeah yeah well lots of I think everybody has kind of felt similarly you know with a disruption the size of a pandemic. You know, do you do you experience challenge or do you experience opportunity? Right. And I think there's there's both. Maybe in things that are a little more established, it feels more challenging. Yeah. And the interim role that we're in and the leadership stuff that I'm sorting through right now in that, we're feeling that, hey, this is this is challenging based on what was and we don't know necessarily what's coming. Right. On the other side, in where Leslie and I are with endless potential or opportunities, it feels like it could be anything. And so, you know, some of the questions that we're thinking are, you know, some of the, the common challenges that we're seeing in established churches, we're looking at differently. How do we lay a different foundation in a church? And so, uh, I mean, digital infrastructure is one of those things. Mm. Is it, yeah. is it possible for a church in America to exist in the 21st century without a digital infrastructure? Um, some of the things like the, the, um, priority of centralized or mass gatherings. Mm-hmm. You know how how much is your church dependent on centralized mass gatherings? Is right. it is it possible that we may not do that for another year? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that we may never do that again? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to funding, we were talking about that just a minute ago. Funding, you know, are you again dependent on those centralized mass gatherings to be your primary source of funding? Or are there other ways, other mechanisms of funding, you know, kingdom movement? And these are the kinds of things that we're, we're thinking in the midst of, you know, moving now. Like, yeah. Do we, what does it look like to meet people right. when social distancing and masks and oh my gosh, potential shelters and places or remote learning for kids? Like so many of the things we're used to doing socially are changing. Yeah. So how is it that we're going to build relationship and connect with people and these are just a handful of the, the questions that were, you know, circulating around. But yeah, I mean, that's it's a, it's a it's a daunting thought, but at the same time, it's, it gets me kind of excited to think outside the box, mm-hmm. and I can see that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm reading your face, so like no one mm-hmm. else can read your face right now. <laughs> that there, there's that similar excitement that you're seeing, like what what could be, mm-hmm. what has to be, mm-hmm. and maybe elimination before we actually land on what we're actually going for we need to eliminate a few a few things as well mm-hmm. so going forward i'm just wondering is there anything particularly going on with the tensions in our country right now that you think play into the particular situation that you're going to be in this next season mm-hmm. i don't know is let, let's let's just talk let's just talk about the racial yeah. tensions a little bit is mm-hmm. Does, does that does that come into your into your mind much as to how how you're going to mm-hmm. approach ministry with that as our backdrop now? Yeah, I I think about it daily, um, you know, if not multiple times a day. Some somewhat because it is so prominent and so prevalent right yeah. now, but also because it's almost like finally, finally, people are paying attention to it. Finally, people are acknowledging it and. Uh, for me, the last few months personally have been very uh, transformational and very challenging, just even recognizing my own biases and prejudices and stereotypes and, you know, the the big word, my own racism, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. 
it's hard to come to terms with that, especially, you know, I'm, I just turned 35 and I feel like I'm kind of about to enter into this prime stretch of career. You know, it's yep. now is when a lot of things are supposed to be coming my way, which is such a privileged thing to say. Yeah, you really, know, like, yeah, that's true. Well, of course, I am a 35 year old white man. I could run for president. Yeah. You know, like that's. Please, please. (laughs) But there's also that realization of like, I am a beneficiary of a system, you know, culturally that I've never been awakened to or I've never been as aware of as I am right now. And being on the precipice of that next leg of career or in being at the beginning of the foundation laying of a church, what is our role and what, what responsibility do we have to fight against some of those systemic injustices and what what opportunities are in front of us now, maybe more so than ever, to rewrite the narrative or to change the narrative yeah. in some direction. And so, yeah, as a you know a middle-ish aged white man, it's been very challenging because I'm like, am I supposed to go out right now and and leverage all my privilege for the yeah. sake of setting up our next thing? Right. Or what I've been feeling, what I sense God telling telling me in my spirit in this season is, you are um, you have been privileged with power, and it's your privilege to empower. Yes, and that's Amen. where I'm looking at it and going. So, so how do you build a church that's not built around one personality, specifically one white male personality? How do you build that into the very foundation and the DNA and the bones of a community? Wow. That follows Jesus. That is profound. I think I think that's something that I'm guessing has developed quite a bit more in your thought in the last six months. That how how do we decentralize this from one person's power, but but multi, um, I guess multi leadership. Yeah, multicultural, multi ethnic, multi generational, multi gender. Like there's, we are a diverse people as humanity. Yeah, and yet our systems, our institutions regularly reflect one type of person at the top. That's right. A person that I could very easily become right in the next 15 to 20 years. Absolutely. If God isn't consciously reframing and changing in me, how the system is supposed to work. Yep. And quite honestly, you've tasted some of that success. Like you, you've been that you've played that role. Well, people like you, you are, uh, you're, you're a 35, like you said, you're a 35 year old dude. You are smart, good looking. Your family's awesome. You you could fit into that role really, really easily. But for you to be just even recognizing that right now, I think God is going to bless that. It's so mm-hmm. so cool to see mm-hmm. to see that. So to to wrap this up, I want to talk a little bit about what what are you seeing as I, I, that sounds like a core value almost mm-hmm. coming out. <clears throat> Do you have other things in your mind that maybe maybe from that list of 10 even mm. that are core values for you going forward like this church could could be any of these things but it's certainly got to be this mm. um is there I'm, I'm throwing this on the spot yeah, with no, you, these but. there are um there are four things that i think about that really a couple of years ago through some work with a different friend and they kind of became core personal values okay um, that did make their way into the list of 10 things that we were looking for in a church. Mm-hmm. And now I think, you know, again, if it's Leslie and I reproducing this church and creating this community, then there's, it's inevitable that these, these four things sure. would probably be sure. 
pretty prominent somewhere within them. One is humility. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's, the great examples of humility are few and far between in our day and age. Absolutely. And so I think a humble church, a humble person really is attractive. I think that's much of what we see in Jesus. I think that humility is primarily cultivated through worship. And so when you recognize who you're not, Right. You begin to see clearly who you are. Right. And you can humbly walk in the confidence of your true identity. Uh, I think secondary to that would be uh, compassion. That's mm-hmm. something that we look at compassion primarily forged through service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you see that kind of paradigm of worship and service together, you see humble and compassionate people. I think that's a, a community that I want to be a part of forming. I yeah. want to see people who feel in the depths of their being what God feels for people. Oh, wow. People who truly empathize and feel deeply for, for others. Um, so worship and service, compassion, humility. Uh, and then I think we always talk in church world about evangelism and discipleship. Like how do you evangelize and how do you disciple? Sometimes they're referred to as two wings of the plane. You know, you yeah. keep them both yeah. to have them. But what I see as values within evangelism and discipleship are really courage and wisdom. Mm. And I think that's where a discipling community is really a, a people seeking wisdom. They're not just looking for knowledge. They're looking for experiential knowledge. They're looking for knowledge in action. They're looking for righteousness, doing the right things in the right way at the right time, with the right motive. That's wisdom. And that's as old that's right. as humanity right. seeking, seeking wisdom. And I think on the evangelistic side or kind of that forefront side, that propelling of the New Testament there's a, a courage that really emboldens that or makes that possible. And so that's where, for me, those four, humility, compassion, uh, courage, and wisdom have been four core values. Love it. And I think that it's, it's almost impossible to imagine a church that we would want to be a part of that didn't in some way embody or bring those things to the forefront. Yeah. And you did a really, really great job of two, two of those words are, are words that I have been very passionate about one it's humility and humility is it isn't really humble to say that oh i stink and whatever no it's about it's about lowering yourself to make other people great mm-hmm. it's about getting getting underneath people to to leverage and make them more of what they could be and and that 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 talk about wisdom oftentimes i think we think of wisdom as this knowledge-based thing where that you're what you're talking about is really more of a more of it's more of an action it's a doing it's a lifestyle it's Mm -hmm. do the right thing today so that tomorrow doesn't stink yeah right and and that you will see fruit from your wisdom maybe not today maybe not even tomorrow but certainly next week and next year next month you're or you you will see the effects Mm -hmm. of uh, of a life well lived and so those are those are awesome um things that really resonate you're reminding me of some of the things that i (laughs) i value as well Mm -hmm. um so to close this out, I, not everyone is planting a church, mm-hmm. but all of us are called to, to do our part and that we, we are the church, right? Mm-hmm. So it, would you, based upon what you've gone through, what you're going through now, um, this whole risk, tension that you're experiencing, all of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. is there something that if somebody out there is listening to this podcast and is wondering, how do I get started? How, what, what am I supposed to do today? Um, maybe, maybe they're not officially church planting, but they, but they are on an individual basis. They're, they're being church planters wherever mm-hmm. they're at mm-hmm. and coming out of this season of, 
disruption, would you have any words for them? Would you have any practical application for mm-hmm. the ordinary person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this may be uh, a little bit too of the too much of the preacher in me coming out, but I think walking with Jesus is more fulfilling than working for Jesus. Mm. And um, I've had a, a significant disruption in my work for Jesus, a, a big change yeah. professionally yeah. in where we were and where we thought we would be and where we're ending up. Uh, but I don't think I've ever walked more closely with Jesus than in this season. And I think that's true for anybody Regardless of the disruption or regardless of the changes or regardless of whatever circumstances you find yourself in, there is a a walk with Jesus that supersedes any and all work you do for him. And so um, I just think that's the part that I'm going, man, if I could encourage people or help people or show people what it looks like to walk with Jesus, that's infinitely more valuable than any of the work I could tell them to do for Jesus or show them to do for Jesus or whatever. I think we we often get the work before the walk. And this season of disruption has been a great reminder for me of the primacy and the, the supremacy, really, of the walk. 